You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 198 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Militia, the jet-setting, high-flying, always-traveling Gina Militia. We're lucky that we've got you on the ground somewhere today. Hey, Gina? I have jet lag, and um, <laughs> hello, everyone. Hello, Valerie. Uh the cure for jet lag is chocolate chip cookies, but you shouldn't have them just before you go on air. Apparently it's not very good for your voice, is it? You should just have pure food. So um, I don't know. There we are. Yeah. Um, and I only saw you like a week ago. Is that right? I know, but it seems We're like longer, out. don't you think? Getting, it, it does because a lot's happened. But, uh, yeah, I left you and then got hassled at the airport. Again. How did you get hassled? It's just the whole. <laughs> okay. I uh, check in my bags and I mm. always buy like heaps of extra, like I had 50 kilos or something, whatever the limit was. Mm. And I've got my uh, little backpack casually slung on my arm and I had my roller bag with all the cameras in it that I kind of hide under the bench. And yes, they're like, have you, got any, have you got any check-in? I'm like, uh, nah. Oh <laughs> they're God. like, what, what's that? I'm like, what? <laughs> they're like, um, the roller bag. I'm like, oh, that. Yeah. They're like, put it on. I'm like, yeah. Uh, put it on. Uh, kilos. <laughs> and then they're opening up and then there's back, forth, back, forth. You don't know how hard I – fought for the laptop and the hard drives to stay with me. They wanted everything. They're only going to let me bring the bag on as empty. <laughs> that was so right. annoying. And they're like, well, the hard drives, laptop, they have to go on too. And I'm like, no. <laughs> it oh. was just like, no, no. I'm like, you can have the ca-. And it was like this negotiating. I'm like, all right, I'm putting the cameras. The cameras will go under, but I'm not. Not 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 the hard drives, not the laptop, and it was a standoff. It lasted like forty minutes. Oh my goodness! And it's always that counter, that airport. Oh my goodness! Okay, that's no good. But I've got Maybe a hack. You should Val, fly another airline. I've got a hack. You okay, wear what? a really big duffel coat, and yes. you take all your lenses out, and you put them in the pockets. 
Yes, actually, I have the coat. Mm-hmm. I bought that coat. Mm-hmm. I should send you the mm-hmm. link. Mm-hmm. It has so many pockets in this coat. It is built so that you can actually put. There's there's a pocket for your camera. There's copper, um, yep. pocket, and they're all sealable for your glasses, yep. for USB charger, yep. for yep. Um, an iPad, for a laptop. You can literally yep. wear your yep. entire technological yes. armor with yes. you in this coat. I've I I bought it. Yes, um, because like something mm. like the 85 1.2 is probably, I don't know, a, a couple of kilos as a lens mm. on its own. The head for the tripod, there's, you know, two and a half kilos. You can, like well, the lenses, hard drives, the hard drives alone, I think the two laces that I have, they're probably, there's another uh, at least a kilo and a half. So you can have on your person maybe, I don't know, five kilos, six kilos just in lenses and hard drives and then suddenly your bag is not over the limit yeah that's right you should definitely get one of those pockets yeah definitely and they're puffer jackets so they like they puff down into like mine's a a trench oh yours is a trench Mm. Yeah, so you're like in the middle of summer, you're just there, you're going, you, yeah, look, I get really cold, but you're just like dripping in perspiration as you're standing there at the counter. That's right. In fact, I'm going to look at it now. Keep talking, Gina, because I think it'd be useful for everyone to hear the brand. Yeah, for sure. But uh, okay, so um, while I've been uh, flying around and I was flying around this week, I watched two uh Great. Uh, one documentary and one great movie. One that you would probably agree with is uh, the the greatest show. What, hang on, it's uh, Hugh Jackman musical. Oh, yeah. What what is it? Uh, the Greatest Showman. I just bought yeah, the DVD and it's right in front of me. Very entertaining. I mm. thoroughly enjoyed it uh, as Love the well. Music as uh, a documentary that I watched on the uh, head of Fiat, uh, Agnelli, Bruno Agnelli, and it was fantastic. It's a HBO documentary. If you are a lover of the Fiat 500 like I am or a lover of Italy <laughs> like I am, mm-hmm. well, check it out. It's brilliant. And then the portraits of him from like the 50s and 60s and 70s, it was while I was watching this documentary that there was like a couple of portraits that went up and as I was watching them, I'm like, oh, my God, I love the style of that. It just stayed in my head. And then when I got to my location uh, this this week and I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, what, do you, what ideas have you got? I'd already formulated a few ideas, but this image had inspired me so much that I, I did something uh, using that inspiration for, for the wow. job that I was doing. And it like – it worked a treat. It was really good. And so, I mean, the inspiration is everywhere. Who'd have thought that watching this documentary? And so that documentary, documentary was called Ang- Agnelli. That's Agnelli, A-G-N-E-L-L-I. Yeah. It's on HBO for those of you who have HBO. And he is, or is he was, the head was. of Theat. And yeah. um it interviews nearly 40 family members, friends, professional confidants and rivals, including his sisters, former lovers, former Fiat employees, his butler and cook, journalists, historians and friends, among them Henry Kissinger, Valentino, um, uh, Lee Radzawell and his niece Diane von Furstenberg. And it's yeah. – um, it features newly discovered Super 8 footage. And so what about it, what in particular was inspiring that inspired your shooting, Gina? 
the the portraits of him taken in the uh, in the like fifties and sixties, very stylish, uh, low key black and white portraits. Uh, so completely black background, and it's just like part of his face is illuminated, and then it goes to black. I just thought it was uh, so classy, and I think they were Avedon that those portraits were taken by. Right. And then right. the other thing that I absolutely loved that just made me so happy was seeing the. Fear 500 factories where these like all these bambinos coming off the lot brand new and uh it was just a delight of a, a documentary if you're into all that sort of stuff uh <laughs> as i am <laughs> all right and um we'll put the link in the show notes to that documentary but we'll also put the link in the show notes to the trench coat which also comes um you know in men's jackets and it's scotty vest um, a lot of americans might be familiar with scotty vest and they're basically built so that you can put all of your bits and pieces in your actual jacket. I think they first started off as vests, um, but now they have oh, a whole range of jackets. They're stylish. They're slimline. I imagine something a lot puffer than that. They're, they're very stylish. Yes, they're, they're, they're not bad, huh? Wow. You could hide yeah, a like, person in there. You could like there's so much um there's so much you can put in there you could there's space for water bottles notepads oh like I God. said a laptop you know uh, there's a special pocket for your keys special pocket that that you can put your earbuds um that you can put your phone there's it's you can carry around everything but the kitchen sink this is not sponsored by the way everyone no they fit like a light meter a DSLR body I know. lenses um wow I know. And you could get vests as well. So you could have the vest yes. and the jacket. You could p- pretty you much. <laughs> no, no. but And like, the pants. And the pants as well because they've got pants that have all these pockets. For photographers who do have to travel around a bit and are often, as I am, slugged with excess bag luggage, which, like, you know, I had to go out and buy another roller because I realized that my roller case was just maybe a kilo too heavy. So I got a really light one. But it's like 100 and, uh, between 100 and 500 every time you travel, you get slugged if you get slugged with excess. So here it is. Mm-hmm. You've got it all on your, on your body. Yep. Even the it's pillow fits in good. there. That's for, and an iPad. Okay. It's, anyway, <laughs> you see, I I have good advice. Yeah, good <laughs> advice. All right, they're, let's move on to expensive. our listener. Yes, let's move on to our listener question from Abigail, who has asked, "What does your white balance settings look like on the wedding day?" Oh, okay, that's a great question, Abigail. Mm. What do you think, Gina? So this was posted in the So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook group. And, uh, yeah, so good question. And I think a lot of people will custom do a custom white balance setting and then keep that to that. Or some people also like to have auto white balance, which is preferred by a lot of um, sort of uh, new learner photographers enthusiasts and it means that the you when you set it to auto white balance what you're doing is you're telling your camera or Hans who program the camera to each time you point the camera at something it will look at the light measure it and say hmm I think this is very warm let's let's uh, let's customize this particular setting and change the white balance 
The problem with auto white balance is when you're moving around and working in lots of different situations, like a wedding where you might be in the hotel room uh, as the bride's getting ready, then you're going over to the groom's place, which might be at a, at a di- completely different location, different lighting, then you're outside, then you're inside, then it's on the dance floor, then the dry ice is going and the, <laughs> and the, and the lights and everything. It, you get your shots back at the end of the day and people can shoot between 250 to a couple of thousand shots on a wedding day and you're going to have what looks like a hot mess, like hundreds of different mm. colour tones in your image and then you're going to have to go and uh, tweak those settings anyway because the camera doesn't always get it right because it's going to uh, it, it make your – decisions on white balance depending on where you're exposing for in that particular image. So what I suggest you do just to make everything a lot neater and a lot easier and a lot more accurate is you get a custom, set your white balance to a particular setting. So if the majority of your shot is going to be in daylight, then set your Kelvin, the the, the color temperature that you want to shoot at to a constant all, all the time. So what I do is I set mine to 5,000 and I leave it there and I leave it there where the, whether I shoot inside or outside. Now, the trick is to always shoot in raw. And when you've shot in raw and you've got your images um back into your the software, Lightroom, Capture One, whatever it is that you're using, then you can color balance your images exactly in the um, comfort of your home. And if you take the next step of taking a gray card and holding it in front of the first frame that you shoot inside, and then maybe if you're shooting outside at a different location, you do another gray card shot. So you just ask someone, it might be your assistant, you might just give it to the the groom or someone and say, here, just hold that for one frame. Take one frame with that person holding the gray card, then you take it back, put it back in your bag, and then it might be that you shoot it somewhere else. uh, Or before, when you arrive a little bit earlier, go into the church, put your gray card up on the pew on its own, ask the priest to hold it, whatever, just get one frame. Then when you come to post-produce your images uh, later on, all you do is you do a click balance on that neutral gray area and you're going to get that correct white balance for that entire scenario. So that's mm. how I would do it. That's uh, that's what my white balance settings on something like an event or a wedding day looks like. Wow. Okay. That's excellent. What a great summary. hope you find that useful, Abigail. All right. We have a shout out to Danette Zach, who is one of our awesome goldies. She's a gold member over at GinaMilitia.com. And um, it's just great to see her shots. And we will put in the show notes one of her shots that she's taken. And, of course, you can find the show notes over at GinaMilitia.com. And it's a shot from the dashboard or just, you know, I, I guess from the either the driver's seat or the passenger seat of the front of presumably her truck because she drives trucks and it's um seeing into it's seeing ahead where um only the foreground so the stuff on the dashboard is in focus and that is a old kind of notebook that has been well thumbed with a pen um hanging off it and then 
out of focus in the background is the long road ahead and then onto the horizon with some hills. And it's just a great evocative shot. Now, why did you bring this shot into the podcast, Gina? So a few podcast episodes ago, I asked people as homework, I said, why don't you shoot a day in the life uh, for me? And um, she has gone ahead and done that from her spot, which is uh, from the front cab of her her rig. And it was her her partner, her husband that does the driving. So she recorded a day from from a day in his life, from getting up, um, you know, in, in first early in the morning, getting his coffee checking the rig like there's all different uh shots of the light hitting his arm as he's driving detail shots of the um all the instruments and and then the view out the window and the side window and it's like something like this I think uh to, to Danette might be like, well, that's what she sees every day. And But mm. I keep saying it's like your every day is not everyone else's every day. And, like, I could see in all the feedback and the people that looked at this shot when she posted it in the Facebook uh, group that everyone was, like, fascinated and uh, really enjoyed looking and having a peek into the day in the life. So I thought it was uh, great and well done, Danette, on on continuing that. And she also mentions that her next um, step is to do the next homework assignment that I set and that was to do uh, have, a, have a crack at video. So she's going to do that as well next. And so and also while I'm here, I want to have a shout out to Emma McPherson and Lise Johnson who both shared uh, their videos in the Facebook group as well. So just like a a couple of like 30 seconds, like short little videos. So Emma did her hubby hanging out the washing and lovely little pans and and beautiful uh, images there. So well done. And then Lise Johnson filmed her uh, three trailer rig as well. So uh, fantastic to see and and great that everyone's having a go at at video. And we'll have the uh, second part of that those episodes coming up, I think, in the next uh, next week, Val. Love it. All right, so let's move on to this week's topic, which is really cool. It is auto ISO, high-speed sync and white balance. Yes. Now, this is, this is cool. Perhaps should we go through them in that order or what order do you want to ha- – how do you want to discuss we'll do, it? Where are we going to we'll start? Do- We'll do high-speed sync first. So All this right. week I had a, uh, a big shoot where I had to do a series of shots of someone uh, on the fly. It was one of those situations where we only had access to this person for a very short amount of time. Now, on the way, as I was telling you, on the plane, I had watched the documentary on Agnelli and I had mm. seen one of the portraits where it was low-key lighting. Had that stuck in my head, Val. We get yeah. to the location and I fa- I think we wanted like six shots, six or seven shots. I found, easily found three or four and then I'm like, I want to create this um, uh, sort of low-key lighting kind of shot. Now, normally when I would shoot this, I would do it with uh, – very easy to make a background black when you're lighting with flash. You just uh, keep – closing down your aperture until you get the room is completely black and then you add 
add some light. So if you're just working with studio lights or portable lights, you can do that very easily. But what what happens in a portrait scenario is you might end up shooting someone at, say, f11 or f16 because that's the aperture you need to sort of kill all the ambient light in the shot. Does that make sense to you, Val? Yep, yep. So For you sure. want to get rid of all the ambient, and there are there are episodes that cover all of this uh, in past uh, episodes. If 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 you're not sort of following along, but that's basically the thing, and that's what I don't like about the low key portraits with some people. I like how it looks. I love having that black background, and I love that the black t- skin tone just emerges, and then. Uh, one of my assistants, Marte, comes out with, uh, all right, so we've got the uh, – we had the B1s. We could have used those. They shoot high-speed sync. So I could have just uh, amped up my shutter speed and managed to get that shot. But unfortunately, uh, I didn't have the right uh, uh, transmitter for my Canon camera to do that. So – we hacked something together where yeah. we managed to create a – we managed to trick the Canon camera into believing that it was uh, capable of shooting a high-speed sync with studio lights that weren't designed to do it with a camera. So the way we did it in that instance was using uh, – some gaffer tape and some um, an optical slave and a speed light and it was all sort of fused together. I'm going to I'll uh, I'll actually make create a uh, a video for the gold members on how that is hacked together and I've got diagrams and all of that. But I've also uh, for this episode created a another simpler version of that Val, where okay. I've had a play and managed to hack the Canon camera using a speed light and a studio strobe. Now, with high-speed sync, the Canon camera is with a studio light. It is designed, the shutter will open and close uh, at the, the maximum you can shoot at when you're shooting flash with the Canon camera is one 200th of a second Mm. with a studio flash. If you start going higher than that, if you go 1 250th or 1 500th, any higher, you start to get a black band across your image because the speed of the flash uh, compared to the duration of the shutter, how long it's open for, the shutter uh, duration is a lot slower than the flash duration and so the, the shutter is still um, trying to open and get out of the way before the flash is uh, right. and you'll get those black bands and so if you're ever wondering about that just try get get a, a studio flash set it up put your or even a flash on camera flash and just put it to normal um sync speed like norm, normal flash and try shooting at one five hundredth of a second and you'll see that half your image is black and people have done that by mistake i did it in the film days once where i had 200 people from all around australia who would never be in the same room again val <laughs> and uh i shot on film and i forgot to check my shutter speed settings and i had oh. a shutter speed which was like i think i had one 250 and it was like two and i got a black band across all the images they weren't usable 
What yeah. happens in such a situation? I uh, cried a lot. Oh. <laughs> I uh, had to refund them. It was terrible. This was like maybe one oh. year. It's awful. So no. I'd never, it was the worst way to learn a lesson about um, shutter speed and flash. So that's been one of the issues about using flash and the limitations on shutter speed because there are now uh, more sophisticated flashes that you can buy that will allow you to shoot at high shutter speed. So you can do high speed sync. And the Canon speed lights and the um, allow you to do high speed sync. So I can put a Canon, a little speed light on my camera and I can change the sync setting to high speed. And then if I want to, I could be outside Val and I could shoot at say F1.2 at one eight thousandth of a second. And I could do someone jumping on a trampoline and fire off the high-speed sync and get a shot. It'll illuminate the whole um, image and I won't get that band, which is fantastic. Mm. The problem with that is it's only a speed light, so it's got its limitations in terms of how much light they will put out. So I've Mm. seen other people where they will have – 10 of these speed lights and they'll cram them all into a softbox and then they'll go outside and they go, we're going to overpower the sun. I've got these 10 Canon speed lights. So I've created a super light, which is fantastic. But like these speed lights are worth about um, 600 bucks each. So you've got 10, suddenly a $6,000 light. You may as well have studio lights where you may as well buy just a better, more powerful light to do it. So, and I'm thinking about this hack that we did last week with the, um, the optical slave and this whole, uh, complicated setting. And I'm like, what if I get my Canon speed light transmitter? So I've got a transmitter that sits on the camera and basically it will control my Canon speed light. So it, I put that on my camera and they talk to each other, Val, the transmitter. Uh, I can dial in how much power I want in my speed light and I can use that for off-camera flash. Very handy. You just give the flash to someone and from the camera I can control everything I want for that speed light to do other than go and get me coffee. But it's <laughs> like they communicate with each other, so it, it's fantastic. Now, the the transmitter allows you to do TTL off-camera flash, which means that you can – if you're not confident shooting off camera flash and don't want to do all the uh, calculations of how much flash you need and you're just a learner, then you can do TTL where the camera works it out for you, which is a good start. It's not ideal, but it's a good start. So this is a great system, but as I said, it's not powerful enough and you can't yeah. control it enough. So, but the technology is there in this type of lighting to shoot high speed sync with a single speed light. So if I've got my transmitter on the camera and I change my setting to high speed sync, I can now shoot at a really fast shutter speed, okay, Mm -hmm. using Mm -hmm. the speed light. So if you take that technology and we introduce a studio light, Remember, not designed for high-speed sync. Studio lights, they don't have any of that capability. They're just like you plug them in, turn them on, you've got power, you can make it, you know, more or less, but that's as as complicated as they get. But the hack is 
what I've done is I've got my transmitter on the camera and I've told it we're shooting high-speed sync. So the transmitter is telling my camera we're shooting high-speed sync. I've got my speed light that's connected Mm. to the transmitter wirelessly and they're saying to each other, we're shooting high-speed sync, okay? So the transmitter and the speed light both think we're shooting high-speed sync, okay? What I don't tell them is that they're not actually involved in the shoot at all, okay? And I don't say this out loud because I want them to still think we're shooting high-speed sync. But what I've done is I've taken the speed light settings and you can – you can have full power, half power, quarter power, eighth power, all the way down to one one twenty eighth power. The speed light at one one twenty eighth power is just like a little. It's not even a dook. It's like a <laughs> ding. ding, right? It's a tiny little bit, ding, little yeah. bit of flash. All right. So here's the speed light, all excited, going, going to work, going. We're doing high speed. We're going, we're going. But I've got it dialed all the way down to ding. But what I do right. is I bring it right up close to the studio light, yeah. all right, and the studio light, what the studio light has is when you're shooting with lots of studio lights, they've all got this thing called an optical slave in them. And yeah. that's like this little dome thing that if you've got, say, six studio lights on set and you have uh, one sync cord or one trigger attached to one of them, if one fires, when the flash goes off, these optical slaves uh, feel the flash and they go, oh, we've got to fire too. It's flash, flash. <laughs> and they all, but there's no delay. They all flash at the same time. They're very clever that way, all right? Okay. That's They're the like optic- sheep. Meh. Yeah, that's what the optical slave does. So it's way that all the studio lights know when it's time for them to flash all at the same time, okay? That's how they all fire at once. So that's how you can get a set where you've got 50 lights and you fire one and it'll fire all all of them, okay? Right. That's the technology that we're using. So remember, the transmitter is on the camera. It's been told we're doing high-speed sync. Okay, yeah. transmits happy. It's telling the speed light, Dave, we're doing high speed sync. Dave's like, I oh, know, I'm ready, I'm ready. But Dave, Dave doesn't know he's, he's been dialed right down to 1128th power, which is ding, ding. But he is, the speed light is facing the subject. You bring the speed light right up to the mm. optical slave. It is oh, right. I see. Like, yes, yes, because it's it is what's practically firing. piggybacking it, and I have yes. these images in the show notes if you're not following at home. Yes. So the speed light is right up against the it's it's like the on its thing own stand, on the optical slave. Yeah. Yeah, right up against mm. the studio light, and so when that ding goes yes. off, all it's going to do is light up the optical slave on the studio light. Yes. And what does that do? The studio Make light goes, fire. oh, we can, we're shooting. What? The flash went off. I've got to go off too. And the flash lights. So d- basically Dave just encourages his mates to light up. Dave is the wind join the party. The other, yeah, but so he ding, <laughs> that little ding is all yes. it takes. It just needs a little ding to set yeah. the slave on that flash off and Love that it. flash. Poof, 
puts out as much power oh. as I need or want to have. And right. But the camera still mm. thinks it's shooting high-speed sync. So yes. it's opening and closing the shutter at the right speed for it to right. work. Now, now before, and I know we have, like, believe it or not, Val, there are scientists <laughs> and engineers that listen to this podcast <laughs> who are possibly rolling their eyes. I may have got some of the technical jargon incorrect in this, but okay. that's basically it. It is a hack. It's overriding the system. I'm using the technology that already exists. I'm just mm-hmm. not, and, and that's how we're overriding it. And this way, this what is so brilliant, and can you tell how excited I am? I'm geeking I'm, out. Yeah. I am very excited wow. about this because this allows me, like from, <laughs> I can now take my studio lights where, I'm always limited. Like they're so powerful that like whenever I've wanted to use, say, my 85 1.2 with studio lights, I can't because they're so powerful. And the workaround is to use something like a, um, a a neutral density filter, which will cut back the light that hits the camera. So, But they're mm. annoying to shoot through because you can't see properly when you're, mm. you're putting something in and it's putting something else in front of the lens. With this hack... I can tell my camera we're shooting high-speed sync. I can have a full set of studio lights and I can shoot at, say, you know, F2 at one four thousandth of a second. I could have people leaping and I can freeze the action. (laughs) There's so much I can do. It's so cool. You can take it outside and overpower the sun and instead of having to shoot F16, F22 to do that, I can do it at uh, lovely you know, F2.8 or F4 have that creamy, beautiful background. So I've always had to compromise the depth of field I've wanted to use uh, to to get that, to be able to overpower the sun on a bright day and use flash. And, you know, now I can do it with high-speed sync. So I can can now convert my uh, Quadra, Elenchrom Quadras, that don't shoot high-speed sync. There are a lot of um, lights that are coming out now that do do it, but isn't it fun to be able to find a way to hack these? (laughs) So uh, So you MacGyvered it. MacGyvered it, and it's like... I was doing it because I'm like, all right, this this hack that we we managed to do on the weekend, which worked beautifully, we got some really nice shots out of it. But it's like, uh, I wasn't sure if I could recreate that, but I, I'm going to have a go at that. But I'm like, I wonder if this way it would work. And when I I did it, tested it yesterday, and it worked. I was like, so ha- I was so happy. <laughs> So there's a shot. Uh, it's going to be the cover of uh, this podcast. It's a, a pair of hands, and mm-hmm. that is shot outside at on the 5D Mark IV at one eight thousandth of a second ISO 100 f 1.8 using the Allen Chrome RX 600 Studio Flash synced with the Canon 600 speed light and wow. using STE3RT and it, like I kind of wanted to recreate say early morning sun or something like that and that's shot with a studio flash. It's absolutely brilliant and the link, I mean the image of course will be in the show notes. It's some hands that look a bit dirty and they're kind of like in almost not a prayer position like a meditation position um, but it's an awesome, awesome, beautiful shot. Now I have a question and that is, 
Did you think of this hack on the spot when you were suddenly faced with the fact that you needed to find a solution or did you think this through beforehand because you knew this was what was going to happen? For the for for the shoot that I just did, where I needed to use it, yeah, uh, the, it, it was at a suggestion of uh, one of the assistants, Marte, who came up with that, ah, and he's like, yes. "I've got a way, I've got a way," um, and he comes out with this contraption. I'm like, "Is that going to work?" He's like, "Yes," right. and he explains it all. I'm like, "That makes perfect sense." So it was, yes. I took that, and I'm like, "Well, if that worked, then this is probably going to work." So I have yeah. actually. Uh, ordered myself a uh, an optical slave, and I'm going mm. to try and rig up this other system, which is uh, also uh, just as good. So yeah, but then we were able to shoot these low key portraits at, at like f. I think we were working at f two point, like under a stairwell, Valerie, which was mm. like there was nothing there. We created this studio and managed to kill all the ambient shooting at one eight thousandth of the second. F2.8, just a, a softbox feathered in so it looked like window light, beautiful soft light, and then you've got that lovely sort of dreamy uh, quality that you get when you're shooting wide open and you get this really lovely look without having to go to, you know, again, I love high key on certain um, people when you go to shooting at F16, but that's a lot of detail in a shot. It works for certain things, but there are certain portraits that I like to have that kind of dreamy quality too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, fantastic. Well, what do we move on to now, Gina? That was a really good, um, a really good scenario and really good solution. Yeah, what do we move <laughs> right, on to now? All right, so now let's uh, let's talk about using uh, auto ISO and uh, and then through the lens for so it's another way to hack your camera's system to get uh, great shots uh, when you're shooting events. So one of the issues, Val, when you when you're shooting, say, an event, it might be a wedding, a party, a conference, is often, as a photographer, that you're, you're chasing shots that might be in different lighting scenarios. So you might be photographing people as they're inside in the conference or they're, you know, at the wedding inside a church and the light is very subdued, it's soft, it's uh, a lot darker and moodier and then everyone moves outside for afternoon tea or the cocktails on the lawn or out into Hmm. even a party situation, you've got people inside and then suddenly everyone's outside in bright full sun. Now, the ideal, ideal way to shoot it all is maybe you'd be uh, shooting manual and you're just watching your ISO, shutter speed and aperture and constantly changing it. But what happens when those high pressure situations, it's like, you know, you you have to get the shot and you've been shooting inside and then you see something and it happens all of a sudden in front of you and you're fumbling with your camera and you don't really have enough time to get it. So a lot of photographers, what they do is they they will shoot, say, in aperture priority. So that's like a, a workaround. So that's where the photographer selects the aperture and ISO and the camera or Hans mm. is going mm-hmm. to, based on those two things that you've picked, so you've said ISO 100, I'm going to shoot an aperture of f5.6, the camera will then pick the shutter speed for you. But this isn't always um, – a good idea and it can get it can be problematic especially uh, 
if you say you want to be shooting uh, fast-moving objects. So if you say you're going, all right, I've, I've picked my aperture, I've got my ISO, and the camera's picking the shutter speed and you're not paying attention, you might have some, some someone doing some, you know, fantastic leap in the air right in front of you. You're shooting an aperture priority. You probably should have been at maybe one five hundredth of a second or higher and your mm-hmm. camera has decided to set, set the shutter speed at a 60th or a 30th and that's where it's been for the last hour of the event and you haven't noticed. Mm. So and you've been shooting on a long lens, suddenly you're going to get a lot of camera shake. You've probably missed a lot of the moving shots because you've got movement. You haven't managed to freeze the action. So that's where... Aperture priority isn't always the best way around and I have never used it, to be quite honest. I prefer to select those. Set. In fact, I will go fully manual on everything until I discovered auto ISO Val. So Okay. It's a game changer for those events where you're moving in and out of like right. bright because – And you need to get the shot because what auto ISO does Mm. is it selects the ISO for you based on the shutter speed and the aperture that you've picked. Now, back in the day Mm -hmm. when ISO was an issue, like even Mm. up to maybe four or five years ago, cameras – five, six years ago, cameras, anything over, I know like even two camera bodies that go, I wouldn't go over 400 ISO on any of my cameras because it looked shite, right? Right. There was noise. Mm. But the cameras now that they're bringing out, even, even you know, the entry-level models handle high ISO really well. So it's not so much of an issue to go higher than, say, 1,600 3200 ISO. So so you're fine. So it's not it's it doesn't come into question anymore what ISO you go on as long as you don't go sort of ridiculously stupid. So here's the other really good thing about auto ISO. You can program your camera to not go higher than a certain number. So you can go, "All right, Hans, <laughs> I'm going to let you pick the ISO for me, but I don't trust you 100% yet, so I'm going to tell you to never, ever raise the ISO higher than, and then you pick a figure. And for me, I would go, don't go higher than, say, 2,000 ISO. That's what I'm about comfortable with at the moment. And so it will stay within those parameters for you. And then if – if for some reason you're you're in a black hole and the shutter speed and the aperture that you've picked isn't enough, it'll tell you it'll blink or carry on or something. So how cool is that? Yeah, absolutely. So what you do, the, the where it but and so should should we explain what ISO is before I go any further oh. for those who are well yes look if you're a newbie and you're not sure about ISO yeah definitely let's just do a summary Gina so basically the ISO controls how sensitive the camera is to light all right so and and we talked about in the early days there was this fear and stigma around uh, ISO because in the film days anything over 800 was like you had 
grain in the image, uh, which would be the equivalent of digital noise today, grain as big as dogs' cojones. So you could see <laughs> it from the moon, right? So And back in the that, day, when before digital cameras, you had to actually buy your film at a particular ISO. So you had to buy your film at ISO 100 or 200 or 400 or 800 or 1000, whatever. And so you had to make that decision well before you even started shooting. So at a very, very basic level, and it's not, this is not scientific either. If you were say shooting in really bright sunlight, you would choose an ISO of, you know, 100 or at the lower end. If you were shooting nighttime, you would more likely choose an ISO of 800 and above because as Gina said, it's the film's sensitivity to light. These days there is no film, (laughs) but the concept of ISO still exists in that it's about the sensitivity to light. Okay. Yeah, so I I always imagine, if you can imagine, you know, where where you've got a dimmer switch on a light. So that's kind of how ISO works. So say where it's like all the way down, you've you've dimmed the light all the way, and if you wanted to get it brighter, uh, you're dimming the other way and it's making your image more sensitive to light. But the catch is the higher you go, the more noise you get. So, you know, I I think at at this point in time, somewhere around, depending on the camera, I'm comfortable at around 2,000 ISO. Uh, Experiment with your own camera and, uh, you know, you can set the ceiling at whatever you're comfortable with. So Mm. here's where the combo works really well for events for me. So I will set my auto ISO. So basically on my Canon, and I think most cameras are the same, your ISO, um, you'll you'll have a a button to change the ISO settings and you can go up in 100, 200, 400, 800, or you'll have third stop increments. If you go the other way, so where instead of going to the right, where you go to 100, 200, you go the other way, it'll go to auto. Okay, so A for auto. You set your ISO to auto and then you can go in into your menu and change the um, the highest point that you want to go to. So you can say don't go over this point, don't go over 1600 ISO. And then what you do is you set your uh, aperture and you set your shutter speed. And then I've got a a flash that I'm using and the flash is flash on camera and then you'll have whatever light modifier that you want to work with. I love and have been in love with for the last year or so the Gary Fong. It's like the uh, light sphere, I think it's called. So it's like this uh, white dome that sits on on top of your camera and it it just puts out a really beautiful soft light. So I've been using that for for a lot of events uh, recently and I find that works really well. And what I do is I will set that to TTL, which is through the lens so again that is telling the the flash and the camera are communicating with each other and when you're shooting TTL what happens is the flash sort of puts out a signal it's like this little feeler it's like this little army of little um, miniature sized people go out into the atmosphere and they measure the light somehow and they go oh yeah it's pretty bright or it's pretty dark and then they'll come back to the camera and they'll make a report and they'll all have a meeting and they'll they'll sit down they'll discuss it and then the flash knows how much light to put out based on what you've set your camera at the iso the shutter speed 
and the aperture, okay? And this all happens in a split second, these conversations. They're very fast, all right? Now, the way I hack that is personally I feel that um, – on auto, any of the settings in the camera are a little bit conservative. Hans, for my liking, the guy who programmed the camera, a little bit conservative, Val, right? Mm-hmm. Just everything yes. is on the in the middle sort of just it's correct, accurate. To me, accurate, correct is a, a little bit heavy in the, in the flash, a little bit too much flash it puts out. So I like to override that. So what I do is I set the flash to TTL so the camera knows, yes, you're making this decision on how much I'm letting you do this all by yourself, guys, go for it. But then similar to what I did with the, uh, the other high-speed sync is then I dial it down. So I, I sort of take some control out away from it and I will – you can set – you can tell the flash um, whether to go at full power for what it, it, uh, it wants to put out or you can, you can block it and you can say, no, no, you can only do – I'm only going to let you put out half of what you think is right or a quarter or an eighth or a third. So you can oh, dial right. that back down. So what I do is mm-hmm. I dial it down somewhere between uh, two-thirds to one-and-a-half stops mm-hmm. of light. So basically I'm telling the flash, uh, you, you don't get it right. I'm going to just let you have a little bit of light that you can – so it ends up just putting in a little dook or in some cases a thing of light. Now, the way this works, the way for this to work is that when you're shooting an event inside on a, in daylight or outside in full sun, you take a reading and you pretend you are shooting without a flash. Okay? Right. So you take your reading based on how would this look without a flash? So you're taking a reading to get a correct reading without any added light, and that's going to give you something that looks okay in case your flash doesn't fire. The flash's job is just to add that little dook or ding of light, just a little tiny little pop that cleans up under people's eyes. It adds a little catch light. It adds enough light just to lift the skin tone a little bit and get rid of any of that ambient poopy light you get from down lights and things like that or any colour little shifts. It just cleans poopy it up. Poopy light, everyone. Poopy everyone, light. you got that? It's poopy light, but, just just but, to be clear. It's really, really important you get the terminology right. Poopy light. There's been some great terms thrown around. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't, like if you leave TTL to its own devices, it's heavy-handed, Val, and it'll just go and it just gives that like like an old-fashioned, uh, you know, flash where you get the shadow behind and everyone looks like they're, um, you know, they're just eyes and teeth. You don't get any any texture and it's kind of blown out and obviously looks so you want you want to be subtle. You want it to look natural, and I think this is the good combo. So I think this is a great way to do it. It allows you to be rushing in and out without having to stress about missing the shot because as soon as you run outside, the camera's going to go, oh, we're outside. Dave, lower the ISO. You know, and they're all talking to it. It's very – the technology is very clever, but you mm. still need to have a hand in controlling them all and making sure that everyone's not sort of getting too big for their boots and doing more than they should. Yes, and make sure you're not shooting in poopy light. 
and or, poofy lights. Or it'll so, go bush. <laughs> so, so thank you for letting me geek out a bit this week. I was very Yay! excited by all of that. And That's uh, awesome. That's a really good that. hack. I hope, I hope everyone enjoyed that. Uh, I really encourage of, uh, yeah. you guys to go to the show notes at ginamalicia.com and have a look at um, the setup. But as Gina mentioned, the speed light is basically just right behind the um, the, the the studio light and it, it, well, it really – it's it's firing straight onto the sensor that 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 is going to recognize um, that a light is firing for it to go off, and um, it's cute. They look a bit cozy, don't they? They it's do. Like, They're very close. It's like it's close talkers, you know. It's like yeah. <laughs> if you were on a train together, one of them would be uncomfortable. You know, you know when people just stand that little bit, you go, that's, uh, it depends whether you're from the country or the city Mm. as how much personal space you will allow. Some people are close talkers and others like need to be a bit more space. That's right. I'd be, yeah. So this, this, this is a very intimate relationship and it needs to be for the flash to, to, to hit the optical slave. That's important. Yeah. Mm. I would have had it closer too, but for the for the photo, I moved them apart a little bit. So normally they'd be almost on top of each other. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what have you got in the coming week, Gina? I've got some more shoots on. I'll be rocking in a corner, dribbling on myself for part of that time <laughs> until I recover. But, uh, yeah, busy, busy. What about you, Val? Uh, I've got lots of things going on. I need to catch up um, on my to-do list and um, – and oh, I don't know, you know, there's just so much. And of course, we forgot to make mention, guys. Oh, it, we will, we will um, outro the podcasts with a word from our gold community, um, so that you can check out what's happening in there and see if you'd like to join. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production, you get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com.